0: Praise the Lord. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't know why the Roman Catholics can't get it. I don't know why the Armenians can't get it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can make you whole again. And give you the peace that you need when you meet with your maker. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your holy throne this morning to worship you as with all the denizens of heaven and as with all your people that you have called by your gospel, that you have called by your spirit, that we may give you worship, that you alone are worthy, even our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you for your goodness and grace towards us to save us from our sins. And Lord, we pray that as we come together, that you would come and speak to your people through your word. That you open their hearts and minds, that they may hear, not from me, but from you. And for them to say, oh, what a God and what a Savior Jesus is, and not what a preacher I am. Lord, I pray for your goodness and kindness for all those that you have brought here. And I know, Lord, you are sovereign, And may you Give to each as you have appointed for them. We pray and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of John. And I use the NSB, I don't know what version you may have. I hope it's not the voice. The voice Bible. Bible. John chapter 5, verses 45 to 47. This is sermon number 6 from these verses. It's been a launchpad that I've been using to teach the distinction between the law and the gospel, the old and the new covenant. And this is what the word of the Lord says. John five forty five to 47. Do not think that I'll accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Those are the words of the Lord. And as I've been doing, I've been using that as my foundational verses, and then I'll have supporting text to build understanding of what Jesus was teaching by those verses. And today our supporting text is going to come from 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. Now, I didn't get these verses when I was in the shower. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 1 to 18 the apostle says are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you you are our letter written in our hearts known and read by all men Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ cared for by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Who also made as adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, Fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. If you believed Moses, part 6, the ministry of death. The law is the ministry of condemnation. For those who like headings. We have been talking about the relationship between Moses and Jesus. Because if you go back to the verses that we read in John chapter 5. Jesus says it's Moses who is going to condemn you because you have set your hope in him. And yet it is the very same Moses who in his writings talked about Jesus. So we have been talking about the old covenant and the new covenant. The old wineskins and the new wineskins. The old wine and the new wine. In other words, we have been talking about the law and the gospel. And this relationship needs to be understood if we have to preach, teach, hear, believe, understand the gospel, and to be saved. We have to understand that relationship between the law and the gospel, the old and the new. There are many in the church today. Even as they were at the beginning of the New Testament that did not understand this distinction, and who, like the Judaizers of old, the Judaizers in the Galatian church, those who came and said, Yes, we believe in Jesus. Yes, Jesus died and resurrected, but you have to. Add circumcision. But you have to add something else to Jesus for you to be complete. For you to be fully accepted by God. You have to improve on Jesus. The Judaizers did not deny Christ. They affirmed him. They were just zealous for the wrong thing because they didn't understand the work of God in Christ. And there are many preachers and professing Christians today who will not deny Christ. The Pope does not say Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. The Pope will say that. But he would deny the finished work of Christ. And all those who follow after him and all these other people who are talking about all oh, they chose Jesus. Made Jesus into Lord and Savior. By their free will. They are acknowledging Jesus. Not all the way. They see Jesus as one who built a bridge that doesn't go anywhere. They have to complete that bridge to heaven. They are Judaizers. They are Judaizers. They may not be Jews. But they hold to the same theology. They hold to the same understanding. But if we add anything to what Jesus accomplished, we have no gospel to preach. You have no hope. Apostle Paul says, you who want to be under the law, you have fallen from grace. You have been severed from Christ. You now have to stand on your own merits to be saved. Listen to what happened at the Jerusalem council regarding this matter in Acts 15. Acts 15, verses 6 to 10. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. This very matter. Listen to Acts 15, verse 1. This is what the matter was. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren... Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And in Acts 5.5, But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So that's the background of what is happening at the Jerusalem Council. So, verses 7 to 10, we are told, that is of Acts 15. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe, and God who knows the heart. Testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. Listen to this. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test? Mm -hmm. By placing upon the neck of the disciples, of the believers, a yoke. Which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. The law is a yoke. That neither the fathers of the Jews were able to bear. And you are not different. You are not able to do the law. But the major argument that we have been developing About the discontinuity or cessation of the law of Moses on believers, on those who are in Christ, is not necessarily about the sinner and their behavior. You see, people feel hopeless if they can't control you. They want to control someone. They have to find some way, some means... By which they can stretch out their tentacles and try to control you. By a set of commands, do's and don'ts. And so in the church, they run back to the law because the law is convenient for that. But this gospel is more than just following a set of commandments, it is about the revelation. Of Jesus Christ and His glory as the Son of God. And His glory cannot be shared by anybody. The new covenant in the blood of Jesus, the new covenant of grace, is all about God showing up in the person of Jesus Christ. And when God shows up, he shows up by himself and does not share the stage with any other. So, everything that has happened prior to the incarnation of the Son of God, prior to the coming of God the Son and taking up human flesh, that's the incarnation, was preparing the way, was preparing the stage. For Jesus, it was not the absolute thing in itself. The law was not the end of things. Jesus is the absolute person to whom all things pointed and have their fulfillment and end. Jesus Christ came this way because that is how God determined to honor him through the salvation of his people. Jesus is not God's plan B or plan C or plan D of a recipe or experiment that failed in the Garden of Eden. Everything is what they are because that is what God decreed them to be for the purpose that God would reveal himself In Christ, as Christ serves his people, and as he sums up all things in Christ Jesus, things in the heavens, on earth, and underneath the earth. So God gave the old covenant, that covenant that God made with the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, to prepare you and I to receive the Messiah. So all the institutions in the Old Testament were but a shadow of the good things to come. That's the the writing of the writer of Hebrews. The substance and goodness of all things promised in the Old found their reality and fulfillment in the Son of God. If it is obedience to God, guess what? he alone is able to do it. If it is love towards thy neighbor, he alone is able to fulfill it. If it is love towards God, he alone is able to do it. If it is obeying any of the commandments of God, it's only the sinless son of God who is able to do it. And if it is the Sabbath, He alone is able to interpret for you what the Sabbath was all about. It was not about picking sticks or not picking sticks. The Son of God, the Lord of the Sabbath, comes and interprets for us the meaning of the Sabbath. And he is saying, he is the Sabbath. And anyone who has entered into him by faith has rested from their works of trying to please God. So the law had a shelf life. You go to the store. You buy eggs or the perishables. Milk. You look at the date. If it's bad, you don't get it. The law also had a shelf life. It had a use by date. Until Christ came... For those who are in Christ. But if you are not in Christ. The law still demands 100% of all that you owe God. And I'll tell you. You owe God too much. And you can't pay. The law was given to prepare us for Christ. But if glory was fading, it was not a permanent glory. The law was given to prepare us for Christ, not by making us obedient, but by showing that we are disobedient. As I said before, X-rays are not for curing pneumonia. They only show you that you have pneumonia. And that's the law. The law was given to reveal your sin. That you can't do it. To increase your transgressions. And for the accounting of your sins. And thus condemning you and me as lawbreakers. There's no refuge in the law. The law exposes you and I. And leaves us helpless out in the cold. And the ultimate purpose for you is to cry out, All wretched man that I am. All wretched man. All wretched woman. All wretched child you are. Right? Yeah. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? So the law is holy, righteous, and good But you can't do it and it was given to prove to you that you can't do it and you're in serious trouble and you have to run to someone for help. You have to run to Christ to get all that the Lord demands and requires of you. But Jesus is superior to the law because Jesus is God. The law was not given for God. But for you to teach you That you needed the righteousness of God to be saved. So, for a Christian then to try and take us back to the law is to fail to understand both the law and Jesus. It's failing to understand what Moses was saying because Jesus says, You Jews are failing to hear what Moses was teaching you. Moses was teaching you about your salvation. In me, there's no salvation in your own obedience to the Old Testament law. So to think that you can do the law even after you've been saved is to underestimate what the law requires. Because the law requires 100% obedience all the time or else it's not law. Okay? The true law of God requires 100% obedience all the time before Christ, after Christ, the law always requires 100% obedience. So you can't just go pick and choose what you want because it's convenient for your big building and hammer people with the tithe. You can't do that. Tithing was given under the law, the old covenant. It's not a requirement of the new. It's not in the new covenant. So you can't play the match and mix game when it comes to the things of God. Apostle James says in James 2.10, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, guess what? He is guilty of the whole law. So if you decide to honor God and say, okay, I am going to do the law and I'm going to give him 10%, guess what? If you go to the Old Testament, it was more than 10%. If you go and do the numbers, you're actually looking at around 30%. So brothers 10, you owe me the third. <laughs> so the New Testament has one main purpose. To reveal God. In Jesus Christ. To reveal. Emmanuel. God with us. To reveal. Jehovah's righteousness. Jehovah's righteous servant. As the only way. Of righteousness. As the only way. Of justification. As the only way. Of approaching God. In peace. As the only way. Of acceptance. By God. Because. Because. Is he alone who pleases God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But the good news of the gospel is. If you are in Christ. God sees you through the eyes of the one that he loves. The one that pleases him. Because when Christ came. He came as our Representative, as our substitute to do all that which was pleasing to the Father on your behalf. And so if Christ did all that which was pleasing of the Father on your behalf, what do you have to add to that? What do you have to add? If only because of foolishness that people would want to come and add things to Christ. So Jesus says, Trying to bring your own works of righteousness is trying to approach God through Moses. But you're going to be in trouble. If you try to approach God through Moses, you're in trouble. Because the same Moses wrote and said in Deuteronomy 27, 26, he says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things, not some things. Which are written in the book of the law to do them. Men are not serious. The law comes as a unit. You can't pick and choose what you want to do based on you and your own circumstances. It comes as a unit. So you either do it 100% and get accepted by your own obedience to the law or you stand in the one who honored it perfectly and completely, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he alone of anybody is the only one who ever said it is finished because he completed your salvation. Now listen to what happened to the children of Israel when they received the law. People are playing with the law. This is just before they got to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. Exodus 19, verses 12 to 13. And then we have Exodus 20, verses 18, 19. What happened just after Moses had been given the law? Listen to this Exodus 19, 12 to 13. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware. That you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him. But he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So those are the instructions. This is what happens when you are about to approach God by the law. Okay, even an animal, it has to be shot through. Listen to this. Just after the law had been given, Exodus 20, 18 to 19. Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, this was not a show. Smoke machines, these were not smoke machines like we have in a lot of churches. This is the glory of the Lord. They trembled and stood afar off. Why? Because there's the law. You can't approach God. You have to tremble. You have to stand far off. You can't come close to God. But if you think I'm making it up, we're going to find the interpretation of that in Hebrews 12 shortly. Listen to this. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us and we'll hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. So what are they saying? They're saying we need a mediator. We need a a mediator. You, Moses, are the one appointed by God to speak on our behalf or else we'll die. If you don't have a mediator to speak to God on your behalf, guess what? You die. You die. But listen to Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 24. That's the interpretation of these very verses. These very verses, Hebrews 12, 18 to 24. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet, and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard Begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'm full of fear and trembling. Even the mediator was full of fear and trembling. But you hear the contrast. But you have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel. Spoke revenge. The blood of Jesus speaks of reconciliation. That's why it speaks better. It speaks better. So, what are we to say to all these things? The law was, the law was a ministry, not of life. The law was a ministry... Not of life, but of condemnation. And it is still for those who try to approach God by it. And now, we go to our supporting text. Second Corinthians. To develop the same theology. To support this. We go to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 118. This is what the apostle says. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need some letters of commendation to you or from you? You know the Corinthian church. One of the messed up churches ever. And yet Apostle Paul still called them saints. <laughs> How did the Corinthians become saints? Given all the issues that they had. They had... Issues with the Lord's table, and the Lord had killed some. They had favoritism in the body, Cult of personalities. We are of Paul, we are of Apollos, tongues. There was a man sleeping with his stepmother, and then the false preachers, the false apostles who wanted to bind the believers back to the law in response, the Apostle Paul comes and says, you Corinthian believers, you should know us better. You should know the gospel better. We do not need any letters of recommendations from anyone to authenticate our teaching, our message, our gospel. Unlike the false apostles, the Judaizers, And his message is ultimately, we do not need any letter of recommendation from anybody. Letters of recommendations were very popular then if we're introducing someone to somebody else. And we kind of still do that these days Facebook, LinkedIn, you go like their page. (laughs) But the apostle says, You are our letter. Written in our hearts, known and read by all men. He says, you have to get the theology. But the apostle says, we are not going to use the inferior letters. Letters that can be hidden. That's the contrast. And cannot be seen by all as those by the false apostles. But the very existence of the Corinthian church was public testimony of the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing them to Christ by the preaching of the gospel. He says we have this spiritual, this intimate spiritual relationship that we have with you that your very existence as a church is like an indelible letter written on our own hearts. And is known by all. Seen by all. People know that there is something going on. Called the church. The way. This sect. So the testimony. Of the existence of the church. Was evidence of the working of the Lord. In bringing his people to himself. Of which Apostle Paul. Barnabas. Titus. Timothy. Apollos. We're just custodians. He says, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ cared for by us. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. And not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So now Apostle Paul is starting to develop the theology of the old covenant and the new covenant. In the light of what the Judaizers were coming and trying to impose on the church at Corinth. So the existence of a true church that preaches the gospel is not evidence of the power or charisma of its pastor or anything about them. We have to just get away from that because that is the current thinking in the modern evangelical church rather it is the evidence if there is actually a true church it is the evidence that there are a letter of christ evidence of the working of jesus himself and his holy spirit in the calling of his people by the preaching and teaching of god's grace and so the apostle says they are a letter of christ but cared for having been given to the custody of Apostle Paul. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So the false apostles were trying to make converts whose hearts were written with ink, written on tablets of stone, an inferior way of writing. On inferior material, ink and stones, on tablets of stones. In contrast to what? In contrast to the work of Jesus who writes with the pen of the spirit of the living God. Not the tablets that have been carried around and can be broken as happened with Moses. But Jesus is able to write where the law could not write. Jesus is able to bring obedience where the law cannot bring obedience. And this is why the man with the Legion of Demons, they tried to chain him, he broke all the chains. But when he showed up, the guy right there, like a baby. Why? Because it's Jesus who is able to bring obedience into the inner man, not outside. So to write with the Spirit of God means to baptize one in the Holy Spirit. And that one who has been so baptized obeys and lives to God, not by going back to the Ten Commandments that are external, but rather are directed by the Spirit of God who indwells the believer? But where is Apostle Paul getting his contrast from? He is getting his contrast. He is developing here the difference between the old covenant as a ministry of death and the new covenant as the spirit of life in the spirit. In Jeremiah 31.33. this is what Jeremiah says. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. So if Jesus writes on our hearts with the spirit of God, what does that make Jesus according to Jeremiah? Because in Jeremiah, it's God who says, I am the one who's going to do it. And Jesus shows up and says, I am the one who's going to do it. So that makes Jesus God. Oh, Jesus never said he was God. Because they don't know how to read the Bible. And in Exodus twenty four twelve, this is what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I'll give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So that's the contrast. The tablets of stone and the promise of the coming of the Spirit in Jeremiah Through the giving of the new covenant of grace. I know the in thing these days. Is granite countertops. Granite countertops. And. and Open kitchen concept. People love granite. And I believe the tablets of stone. The the ten commandments were written on a piece of granite. It's God who's doing it. I mean he has the power. You can etch through anything. (laughs) But as much as you love your granite, you do not want to be served by the tablets of stone. That is an inferior way of salvation. You want to be under the new covenant of grace in which obedience is aged into your heart by the spirit of God who is living unlike the ink that is made from dead things. And can be washed out. That's the contrast. The spirit is living, the ink is made from dead things. And we are not about being dead. We are not about being dead. What is the apostle saying? He's saying the law is inferior to the new covenant and they can't be mixed. Very important point. The law. Cannot be mixed with the new covenant. You don't have one leg in the law and one leg in the new covenant. That is called adultery. According to Apostle Paul in Romans 7. But he says, such confidence we have through Christ toward you. He says, they have such confidence of their ministry. Not because of what they were doing themselves but because of Jesus Christ and what he had done and was doing in the Corinthian church. Paul says his confidence was not in human means or human resources, but in Christ. And may we have such confidence in this ministry or in everything. If you put confidence in your marriage, God will take it away. If you put m- confidence in your job, in your retirement, you will knock it down. There is someone that I'm friends with. She's been working out. I saw old pictures from 2004 and a new pictures from this year. She looks like a Hollywood celebrity. Pretty. And the Lord something to her she broke something that the doctor told her yesterday no not yesterday on friday that she will never be able to exercise again yeah and she had a lot of comments oh you're looking so pretty you're looking so pretty oh wow you are so pretty and the lord comes and says uh okay let me see how far this is going to take you i'm going to knock you down by grace god does that by grace though He does it by grace because he wants you to focus on the more important things. To keep looking to Christ. So that your dependence, your sufficiency is only in Christ Jesus and what he has done. And he has to teach you. Okay? God won't lose you. And he will take away whatever he has to take away to make sure that you bring him along. That's our gospel. Our sufficiency is (laughs) only in Christ Jesus. So Apostle Paul says... Even to this statement. Verse 5. Verse 5 and 6. Know that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency or adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate a seventh of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Do you see the contrast? The letter kills, the Spirit gives life. Those are two contrasts. You're not mixing them. The spirit always gives life. Because it's a living spirit. The letter always kills. Why? Because you're a sinner. The law always discovers sin in you and tells you condemned. Condemned. Death. Condemnation. The apostle says whatever success we have made in the Corinthian church... We have labored, we have watered and planted, but it is God alone who gave the increase. The sufficiency of ministry is only by the work of God. The sufficiency of ministry is only by the work of God alone. So whether you remain big, whether you remain small, it is according to God's purpose. There's no man who can qualify themselves to preach the gospel and to give it increase. But many are reverting to tricks, to music, to creating an atmosphere which we shall create afterwards. Mm -hmm. Creating an atmosphere to smoke machines to try and jerry-rig the work of God. But God is not mocked. Paul says it was by God's determination and qualification that made him able to be a faithful servant, not of the old covenant, but of the new, unlike the false apostles who had made themselves servants of the old and were trying to bring people back to the law. Of which he reminds them and says the old covenant, the law, as we said, It kills. The letter kills. It condemns a sinner. In contrast, the new covenant which is mediated post the cross by the spirit of God. That which was established by Christ in his own perfect obedience. That's the one that gives life. Verse 7 and 8. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? So the apostle continues to make comparisons between the old and the new. And says the old covenant was a ministry of death. And if you know anything about ministry, I don't think in the U.S., we use the term ministry for government offices. But across the world, they use ministry, say, they have a ministry of education, a ministry of health. In the U.S., I think it's department of labor, department of something. But what that means is ministry means in service too. We have the ministry of education, which means it's the department that service, the education needs of a state or of a country. And Apostle Paul says, the ministry of the law gives service not to life, but to death. It's dedicated to the ministry of death and not to life. But listen to this. I talked about this in John, if you still remember. it, Because when John is writing, Apostle John, in the book of John, his introduction, he also has Moses in mind. He also has Moses in mind when he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld the glory. The law, with the law, you could not behold the glory of God. Moses tried to see the face of God. And God says what? You cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. But in the new covenant, the mediator of the new covenant, we have been allowed to behold of His glory without dying, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. By the way, it's only Christ who is full of grace and truth, and not Mary. So let us work this some more. This is a teaching ministry. I love to connect things. I only talk by default, but I love to teach. In due time, you can go back to these things. You can give other people. We have to connect things for people. People read, but they are not able to connect. They don't really understand things. That's why we take the time to try and connect things. It's painful when you are the ones that God has appointed to sit down so that I I can preach to you. But that's your reasonable service to the work of Christ. And I'm honest about that. That's a reasonable service to the work of Christ. If we got a movie and watched three hours movie, Lord of the Rings, nobody's complaining. Three hours later, sitting there happy watching. <laughs> Let us work some more understanding. Exodus 34, 29, to 35. Exodus 34. Exodus 34, 29 to 35. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai. And the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain. That Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, Behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Verse 32. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel, what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. The face of Moses shined with glory. But it was only the reflection of the glory of God. It was the reflection of the glory of the sun over the moon. The moon does not have any light of its own. It only reflects that which has been shone on it. So the law is the same way. It does not have any glory of itself. The glory has to come from God. And that glory is now in the new covenant. So the glory of the law was a passing glory. It was fading because the glory was not intrinsic to it. But was derived from meeting with him who had the glory. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit in believers is a more glorious ministry than the ministry of the law. The Holy Spirit does not use the ministry of the law in believers to justify or sanctify them. But there are some who say "Oh, we use the law for sanctification. No, it's not taught anywhere in the New Testament. The ministry of the Holy Spirit does not use the law and its Fading glory. Rather what he does is he works in us an unfading glory that is in Christ Jesus. By giving us eternal life and eternal blessedness in Christ. And everlasting righteousness in Christ Jesus. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation is glory. Much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. So if that which did not save which condemned actually had glory, much more is the glory that is in the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of Christ. And again, I need to draw your attention. The apostle is making contrast because I see so many people, I hear so many sermons by these people who say we are under the law. And most of the time, they never come to the New Testament to support their arguments they always go to the sounds or they'll go to romans 7 where apostle paul says i delight in the law of god according to the inner man but apostle paul was not saying that you are under the law in that context he was teaching the struggle that he has because of the sinful nature and the new nature that has been created in him So the law was given to discover for him that he had a sinful nature that could not be tamed. And it is this sinful nature that is in struggle with the new spiritual nature. So he says, for indeed what had glory, in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. I'm repeating things because Apostle Paul was repeating things. He could have stopped this with two verses. And I would just stop there. So I'm going to stop where he stops. <laughs> For what a glory, in this case, verse 10, has no glory because of the glory that surpassed it. For if that which fades away was with glory much more, that which remains is in glory. So even though the ministry of condemnation seemed to have glory, but when it when compared to the ministry of the new covenant, it actually has no glory in comparison. The new covenant is way much better. Superior to the old. Better promises, better mediator, better sacrifice. It is the new covenant that remains. Did you hear that? You have to pay attention. He says, that which remains... If something remains, it means one was made absolute. The old covenant has been done away with because of its weakness. Verse 12. Therefore, having such hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end Of what was fading away. The apostle says. Having the hope that the covenant. Under which we are. Does not condemn. Knowing that we have been justified. By the covenant of grace. Through the perfect obedience of Christ. Knowing that we have peace with God. And can approach him. Without the lightnings. Without the thunderings. Without the trumpets, we use great boldness in our speech to declare the gospel, and we are not timid, we are not shy, we are not afraid like Moses or the false prophets who would, in this case, be the representatives of Moses. Moses used to put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel would not look at him And what was God teaching? It's not like Moses knew what he was doing. It's God who was working through Moses to lay the foundation of this teaching. And by that God was teaching that the ministry of Moses, the ministry of the law, was fading away to something better. It had to be superseded by a better and a higher ministry. That of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 and 15. You know we are getting close by the verse that we are on. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant. The same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Israel failed to understand what God was teaching by this experience. And thus their minds were made dull to understanding. They failed to understand Moses that he and his ministry was preparing for the arrival of a better mediator, of a better covenant. The law and the prophets were not the final revelation of God about salvation. They were not. Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 3 I'm sure everybody knows it. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Now look to the superiority of Christ. Unlike Moses. This one. Through whom God has spoken to us now. Is the radiance of the glory of God. Is the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And this one has made purification of sins. And this one sat down at the right hand of God. That's the superiority of the new covenant. And this is who you need for salvation. But the hardness of the Jews did not end with that generation. It continues to this day. It has continued with successive generations, even to our own time. And not only the Jews. There are many among the Gentiles who are also trying to play fast and loose with the law. They don't understand what is being said here. The one who tries to go back to the law is inviting themselves to be covered by a veil over their heart. You have to hear this. If you try to go back to the law, you are inviting yourself to have your heart covered, to have your heart down to the things of Christ. And Moses understood that salvation was not in the law. He understood it. Listen to Exodus 34:34. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had commanded. So Moses removed his veil every time he approached the Lord. Every time. And this is the picture that Apostle Paul goes and says, this is how the veil is removed. The veil of works righteousness from our hearts. That the glory of Christ may be revealed in you. And if the veil that was on Moses was removed when he was coming to see God. And that same veil is removed in Christ. Guess who Moses saw on Mount Sinai? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So you see, he's concluding. He's making his arguments. That there's no liberty under the law. Because the law always tells you. That you're wrong. You're wrong. And you're wrong again. It's a yoke of slavery. It's bondage. No freedom. This is all language that is carried by the ministry of the law. On the other hand, there's language for the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of the spirit, and its liberty. In Christ Jesus, God has set you free from ever trying to make God happy. Things are going to happen to you, and you're thinking, I was supposed to have done that, but I failed. And I wonder if God is still happy with me. Or you're thinking, I'm going to do this. Did I do enough? Is God happy with me? God is always happy with you because of Christ. The gospel of grace alone, by faith alone, In Christ alone. Justification by faith alone. Acceptance by God. By something that you did not do. And could not do. But has been done. Perfectly. And completely. Has to give you freedom. It has to set you free. From looking to yourself. And condemning yourself. For I am a bad person. Of course God knows you are a bad person. And he knows it better than you. But he hasn't condemned you. So the apostle says, verse 18. And you know, that's the last verse. And then we go to Hebrews. (laughs) Chapter 1. And we keep going, right? (laughs) But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Unveiled face as against the face of Moses that was veiled. We, because of Christ, are being transformed into the image of the Son of God. From Glory to glory. Not with a glory that's fading away, but with a glory that's increasing. A glory that is finished for us in glorification. When we shall be made righteous in our persons. Because you see, when you are made righteous, you don't need the law. Because your mind... And your spirit, your body, are in consistence with righteousness. There's no conflict whatsoever about what you need to do and so you don't need the law. And that is why we are not under the law when you are under the new covenant. Because when God sees you, he sees Christ in you. He sees you with the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God. And because of all this, final statements. Unless Sister Becca, do you want to still go? We're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) And because of all this, Jesus will come to the Jews and say, you do not know what you are studying. I acknowledge you are diligent. And there are a lot of people who are so diligent. (laughs) With works. They dress right. They have the long skirts all the way to the floor, and they think they are righteous, and they think they are being accepted by God. No, that's not how it works. Acceptance by God requires a righteousness that God alone gives. You have to know that. So Jesus says, yes, you are studying diligently, but you missed the point. Moses is the one who is going to condemn you. The law is going to condemn you because you have set up your hope in the law. You have set up your hope in your own obedience to the law, in your own righteousness. But Moses, the law, spoke of me, Jesus. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega. The end of all things, in whom all things move, live, and have their being. And as I said, and this is from Ephesians 1.10. It's one of my favorite verses. In Jesus, God is summing up all things. In heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth. For what reason, Jesus, that all things should honor the Son... And the father is honored. So this is about the honoring of the son. Not about the foolishness that men are bringing to say you can be accepted by God by your goodness. The law was a passing phase in the history of salvation. It only had granite countertops. But you need more than a pretty kitchen. Jean. I'm going to get you some granite one of the biggest exports from Zimbabwe is granite. We have a lot of granite. So talk to me and I'll get a semi to your house. (laughs) You need not the ministry of condemnation, but the ministry of the spirit. The ministry of life, the ministry of hope, the ministry of the covenant of grace, the ministry of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, In Christ alone. And this is what enables you to approach God in peace. Because my brothers and sisters, you need peace with God. And Jesus has given it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your holy throne again to worship you and praise you. And thank you for the faithfulness of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who came, and lived a perfect life, died to pay for all our sins, resurrected because of our justification to say we had been fully accepted by the payment that he made on the cross. And Lord, we pray and thank you for the glory that is not fading, the glory that is in Christ in the new covenant The glory that gives us an everlasting righteousness. The glory that gives us life. The glory that allows us to see the face of God without dying. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all those who you brought today. And I pray that you would give increase to these words. Even if they may remember just one thing. Christ is the only hope. Lord, I pray that you cause them to ponder These things, that they too may have peace with you. And now we pray, Lord, for the food that is set before us. We pray for those who shall be traveling from here. Lord, that you grant them the grace to travel safely. We pray for the week ahead of us, that you grant us grace to do that which is pleasing in your sight. We pray, Lord, for our sister Kim. You know the things that she's been battling with, with her son and all those things, Lord. We know you alone are able to tame things. And we pray for your grace and your hand upon his son that he may get the help that he needs. And I pray for grace and long-suffering on all those who are working with him to try and help him. And also for the parents, Lord, that they may just have the grace to deal with this time And cause them to continue to look to Christ. I pray for the many unsaid prayers in here. Many issues that your people are battling with. Lord you know their needs. You know what they are struggling with. You know their fears. And Lord I pray that you just revive their spirits again by your gospel. And bring them the confidence and joy of the ministry of life. The ministry of justification in Christ. Lord I pray and thank you for this day. And all blessing in Jesus name. Amen.